I'll stand by our God on the inside, which is the Holy Spirit. And Father, I thank you that as I go forth on today, I thank you, Father God, that it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me, because I have been crucified with Christ. So Father, it's not about me, it's all about you. You shall receive all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise on today through this word. And Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I bind every attack and every assignment that the enemy was sent out against our minds today. In the name of Jesus, for we have the mind of Christ. I bind every mind-boggling spirit in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Father God, for what you have done and for what you're getting ready to do in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 5, verse 25 through verse 34. And I believe all of us are familiar with this passage. Mark 5, verse 25 through 34. Let's hear what God has to say to his people on today. Father, we thank you. We honor your word on today. Thank you for speaking to our hearts. And the word of God reads, And there was a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years and who had endured much suffering under the hands of many physicians And had spent all that she had, and was no better, but instead grew worse. She had heard the reports concerning Jesus, and she came up behind him in the throng and touched his garment. For she kept saying, if if I only touch his garments, I shall be restored to health. And immediately her flow of blood was dried up at the source, and suddenly she felt in her body that she was healed of her distressing ailment. And Jesus, recognizing in himself that the power proceeded for him, had gone forth, turned around immediately in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? I'm going to stop right there. I want to talk about this morning. God laid this on my heart. Underlining conditions in the body of Christ. Underlining conditions in the body of Christ. When we look at an underlining um, condition, it's something lying beneath the surface, or the basic or root cause of something. Underlying the condition is basically the root cause of something. And using this woman with the issue of blood, she had a underlying condition. She had, you know, a medical condition, and that medical condition required treatment. Just like doing the COVID-19, they would say if you have an underlying condition, you don't need to um, be around people that are sick because your immune system is low and it could lead to death. So they were saying things that would protect people with underlying conditions. People in the natural with underlying conditions would go for regular checkups. The doctor would tell them their do's and don'ts because of that underlying condition. So they knew what they had to do and they knew what they should not do. But God uh, was reminding me, he said, we have underlying conditions in the body of Christ that people don't even recognize until a symptom pop up. And how those symptoms pop up, they come through people. They come through mainly people. People will irritate you. People will say something you don't like. And then that condition that you have, it pops up. But the problem with the body of Christ, some people don't recognize their underlying conditions. Sometimes we live with something for so long, we begin to cope with it. We begin to think that it's normal. We begin to think this is how my life is. We begin to say, 
It runs in my family. We use that as an excuse. It runs in my family. You know, my daddy was an alcoholic, and before him, you know, he had a mother that um, was an alcoholic. So now I'm an alcoholic because of them. This is an underlining condition. But in the body of Christ, what God has done for us, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us. And every underlining condition that there was or there will be, Jesus paid the price for it. He knew everything that would take place before it would take place. So Jesus said, I'm going to get on this cross because of the love that I have for every person in the world. I'm going to endure every underlining condition, everything that's beneath the surface that need to be taken of, taken care of, whatever the root is. He said, I'm going to do away with it. So he done away with it because of the blood that he shed. Jesus did not shed blood just to save us. People thinking, yes, that was a part of it. But he shed his blood also to heal us, to protect us. That blood was shed for every need that we need before we even know that we needed it. But the problem is we as the body of Christ are not getting in the word of God to be able to recognize what's going on under beneath the surface. And people that are around us and see these underlying conditions naturally, they make you ill. They make you sick. They make you irritable. They put your body through some things that the body begin to show because of these underlining uh, conditions. So today we're going to go through the word of God dealing with this. First of all, this woman that had this issue of blood, she did what all of us would do naturally. She went to the physicians naturally. She went to them because her blood would not stop flowing and she was tired of being that way. But this woman was in this state for many years. She spent all she had dealing with physicians because she was going on their knowledge, their way of doing things. But one day, I believe when Jesus came, she heard about Jesus. I believe she heard that he was a healer. And I believe she heard that he could be, make her whole. So I believe before she even came in contact with Jesus, she began to think about what she heard concerning this man. The Bible says a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, so does he become. So I believe she was building herself up to the point that when she get an opportunity to be before Jesus, she knew before she even was before him that she was already healed. And that's what we have to know. Even before our body began to accept the healing, we have to know that we already healed even before it happened. That's a spiritual thing. We have to see healing as being spiritual before we see it naturally. We're trying to get the natural when we already have what we need in the spirit. So this woman believed in Jesus. She trusted in Jesus more than she trusted in what she believed. So we know what happened to this woman with this underlying um, condition. She was healed. Man couldn't heal her. See, what happens in the natural world, man can only give you something to sustain you or to sustain whatever your body is going through, but it's still there. And generally, it's going to pop back up sometime or another, meaning that even when you have surgery, they put things in your body to hold you. But after a while, those things don't hold you no more. They begin to show up again. So they got to go back in again and they got to correct something that they done before to keep you together. But it's one thing about Jesus. 
Jesus, once he did what he done, he gave us total and complete wholeness. So Jesus, he don't go back on his word. When the Bible said, by Jesus Christ, you are already healed. You are healed completely, totally. Nothing missing, nothing broken. So go with me again to the book of Genesis. And this is where I'm going with underlining conditions. And I know this right here is what the body of Christ needs because when people don't know these conditions that they have in the body of Christ, they cause ill will through the body of Christ. There's some things that be running through the body of Christ because a person thinks that they're right and they're never wrong. So we got to deal with these underlying conditions. How do we deal with it? God send you people. He send you people to teach you, to show you what's there and how to deal with what's there. That's what we do when we go to a doctor, right? We go to that doctor, but we have to tell the doctor what's going on. Is that not right? In order for him to diagnose us and tell us, well, this is what I believe is going on with you. So let's look at Genesis 4, verses 1 through verse 5. And I'm reading out the expanded Bible. It said, Adam had sexual relations with, knew his wife Eve, and she became pregnant, conceived, and gave birth to Cain. Eve said, with the Lord's help, I have given birth to, produced, acquired a man. After that, Eve gave birth to Cain's brother Abel, and Abel took care of the flocks, and Cain became a farmer and the tiller of work of the ground. Now listen at this in verse 3. Later at the end of days, Cain brought some food, produce, fruit from the ground as a gift, as a tribute to God. Abel brought the best parts, fat portions, for some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord accepted, looked with favor on Abel and his gift, his tribute, but he did not accept, looked with favor on Cain and his gift, his tribute. So Cain became very angry and felt rejected, or dejected, his face, continents fell. So what the Lord began to show me in this, we have two brothers, born from the same mother and father. They grew up t- together. But what was happening here, they looked like they were normal, right? They looked like nothing was going on in the, in, in the beginning. Cain, he was a farmer, and we know what Abel did um, with his life. Both of them had um, some work that they were doing. And both of them bought forth from the work that they were doing. But we see here that Cain, he was very angry because God accepted Abel's and did not accept his. The problem was, and what we got to understand in the body of Christ, things begin to show up when you feel like something you're doing is not accepted and what the other person is doing has gotten accepted. That's when we find out in the body of Christ where people are. We find out that this is how rejection shows up. The problem with that is we have to know what God is saying, when he is saying it, and how to carry out what and when. We have to know these things from God. So if you're spending time with God and you're taught the word of God, and when God is requiring you to do something for him, you're going to do it according to him and not according to you. See, Cain went out of what God told them to do how did what did God tell them to do the same thing that he did for Adam and Eve when he killed those animals and he clothed them with the animal skin blood was shed this is what God was telling um, Cain 
the thing that Abel done, this is why he was accepted, because he did what I required of him to do. Sometimes we can do things and think that this is what God wants us to do. Let's, for example, look at giving. If God is telling someone to give $100 and that person just gives $20, you're not going to get um, accepted by God for that. Because God didn't tell you to give 20. He told you to give 100. Sometimes we feel like, well, I gave. But you didn't give what God told you to give. See, God is going to look at your heart. And he, when you stand before him, you got to um, answer according to what he told you to do, not according to what you felt like you wanted to do. So this is what was happening between Cain and Abel. But the underlining condition that Cain had, and it showed up when he did not get accepted, was rejection rejection was already there but it showed up through his continence it showed up when God said that Abel's gift was accepted but yours were not come on y'all and growing up with brothers and sisters when we're in the family and we feel like the mom and dad is treating this one better than they're treating us we begin to feel rejected we begin to feel unloved, unwanted, unneeded. We begin to feel like, what's the point? What's the point of me doing anything? They're not accepting what I have done. This is how Cain felt. And I believe when you leave these underlining conditions there for a while, you're thinking, this is the way I want to be treated. And if you don't treat me this way, this is how I'm going to become. Cain became angry because of rejection. Rejection is the root. If you don't know the root of why a person is doing something then guess what that root that they have is going to cause you to be ill because of what the person have bought in the body of Christ so this is why in this ministry we root up and we tear down the strongholds off of God people this was a stronghold that King had he had a stronghold. That stronghold produced something. What fruit did it produce? It produced anger. When you see a person that's angry, they didn't just get angry to be angry. There's a root to them being angry. This is why God gives you the nine gifts of the spirit so you will be able to discern what's going on behind the scene. You don't just get angry with that person because that person is angry with you. You're going to walk in the love of God and you're going to say, Holy Spirit, stir up the gift that's on the inside of me so I can know what's behind the scene. Why this person going off on me like this? I didn't deserve what they said. I didn't deserve how they're treating me what's going on with this person if I'm the one that need to help this person so be it I humbly submit myself before your throne how many people have been cussed out how many people have been fussed out how many people have been ridiculed because it's a person that has an underlining condition in the body of Christ that's making everybody else feel like it's them and not them that's because they're hiding behind that underlining position and if God don't send people into the body of Christ to minister in these areas people will be lost and thinking that they're okay I'm that person amen hallelujah so I give God glory for that because God always let people know where they are sometimes people don't like what you say they don't like for you to tell them that you have an issue and we can deal with that issue through the word of God because they always think that they're right but yet they're wrong why do they think they're right because they have dealt with that condition from birth on up
And it seems as if nobody never corrected them, not even the parents, because the parents were so busy dealing with themselves, they didn't see that that son or daughter felt rejected, felt left out, felt unworthy, felt unneeded, felt these things. So that child had to go through that by themselves. And that child kept bringing that in and out of places, thinking that they were always right because they were never corrected and this is what this ministry does this ministry bring correction whatever is lying underneath God allows me through the word of God to bring it up the surface whether you like me or not this is the ministry that God has given me this is what I'm going to continue to do why because I love God's people and I don't want people to die in their mess how do you die you die spiritually you don't grow you're stagnated because you always think somebody's always after you it's because of the underlining condition that's laying beneath and guess what the enemy don't want nobody to touch it he want that person to stay in that state he want that person to stay in that frame of mind this is where king was God began to ask Cain, and I like what God told Cain in Genesis 4, 6. The Lord asked Cain, why are you angry? Not that God didn't know, but he wanted Cain to talk to him. Cain, why are you angry? Why do you look so unhappy? Has your faith continence fallen? If you do things well, correctly, appropriately, this is what God is saying, I will. I will accept you. But if you do not do them well, correctly, or appropriately, sin is ready to attack you. He said, crouching at the door, sin wants, desires to control you, but you must rule over it. This is what's happening in the body of Christ. We're allowing sin to rule over us. Sin has been done away with through Jesus Christ. But the problem is when we allow anger... To come into our lives, we allow sin to rule over us because ang- being angry is sin. He said that, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. So God gives us instructions. So he was letting King know, King, why? Why are you angry? And then he explained to him, if you do what I ask you to do, there will be no cause. For you being accepted. God don't accept sin, y'all. That's why Jesus died. God hates sin. That's why Jesus died. He turned away from sin. When Jesus was on the cross, he couldn't even look at Jesus. He turned away from him. So when God was telling Cain, you're angry, Cain. This is not a part of me. He was showing him his characteristics. He was showing him if you do things correctly and appropriately, sin will not control you. Oh, let's just stop right there. Some of us in the body of Christ have sin controlling us because we think we're right and we don't see things the way God sees them because stuffs is laying underneath. And until those things are dealt with, people go along and live lives that's outside of the will of God until somebody pushes your button. And that's when things begin to come up and out because you done got frustrated. 
You feeling like they trying to tell you something that they don't know nothing about. You ain't been through what I've been through. Okay, let's talk about what you've been through. That's none of your business. And they hate you without a cause. That's because of these underlining conditions. And if they don't deal with these conditions, nobody don't want to bother with them. But I'm one that I'll keep bothering you and bothering you and bothering you until God tell me to let my hands go of you. Why? Because God said, I have need of you. And I'm not going to let you go out like this. You have a choice to either accept what I'm doing or you have a choice to die in your mess. So God loved Cain so much, he told Cain, this is what you need to do, Cain. He said, don't let sin control you, you control it. Did God not give him a choice? After God gave him a choice, after God let him know what was going on, guess what Cain did next in Genesis 4-8. Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out into the field. While they were out in the field, King attacked, rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Look at this. God already let him know. God send people to you. God send people to you and let you know about your attitude. God send people to you and let you know, you know, I don't know what's going on with you, but the way you sounded, it, it just wasn't good. That don't represent the father. We let them know about what God does. We don't condemn them, but we tell them, remind them of who they are now that they're in Christ. So after God went over this with Cain, Cain still killed his brother. This is what's happening in the body of Christ. You can counsel people over and over and over again, and you can tell them what's going on in their lives, and you begin to tell them what they need to do to bring correction according to the word of God, and they are so angry, they're so bitter, they feel like everybody is coming at me. Why is it always me? Sometimes it is you. And you got to recognize, Lord, it must be me. It's too many people coming to me for it not to be me. But some people don't go to people because they don't want to deal with people. When you have the love of Christ in you, you dealing with them according to God, not according to you. If God has put you on assignment, then you got to fulfill that assignment regardless of how they hurt you, regardless of how they talk about you. Remember Moses? Remember Moses was going through back and forth with Pharaoh. But what God did, God encouraged Moses. God continued to give Moses the word to keep Moses going for the people. God have to encourage me all the time. Because some of the stuff that I deal with, I have to go to God on a daily basis and say, Lord, I don't want hate in my heart. I don't want bitterness in my heart. God, you're going to have to help me to get through this so I can help them because it's a trying time. God, they don't see. And sometimes you say, God, I'm just tired. I'm just tired, like Moses. Moses said, I'm tired of these stiff-necked people. God, I'm tired. You put all of this on me. But then God began to give Moses some help because he knew Moses was getting ready to quit. So God had to give Moses some help. But see, the help that God gives Moses, God knew who could help Moses. He knew who could help Moses to hold up his hands. He didn't just give Moses anybody that said one thing and done another. 
See, that's what happens in the body of Christ. People say what they're going to do, but when trying times come up, they fall. They can't stand. They can't stand the pressure. Why can't they stand the pressure? Because they got underlining conditions that they haven't dealt with, that they have been told time and time again across the pulpit or time and time again when God sends strangers to minister to you, to whisper his word in your ear and say, God said, get rid of it. It ain't doing you no good. Don't yield your members to sin. Yield your members to righteousness. God sends people. Why? Because he loves you. But even when him sending people, people still don't take heed because they're always talking about why people don't like me. Why people do me wrong. I do the best I can towards people. I do this and I do that. You making it about you. You do things because of what God has called you to do. It's not about you. Paul recognized that. Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live. But it's Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live according to the faith of the Son of God who loved me and who has died for me. Y'all, God gave me that scripture many, many, many years ago. I remember when I was walking through the house just complaining. It seemed like everything was just tore up from the floor. And I was complaining. And when God gave me that verse, I'm like, Ann, have you, have you ever been so hurt going through so much? God still give you the scripture, Ann. But then when I took the time to settle down into what God was saying, God said, you making this about you. And it's not about you. Your life's supposed to be lived according to me and not according to you. And that's why it's so hard. So when I, when y'all hear me say this across this pulpit, I say it all the time because it's a constant reminder. Amanda, it's not about you. It's not about you. No matter how people talk about you, no matter how they ridicule you, no matter if they see it differently from you, it's not about you. It's about me. You are hidden in Christ. It's not about you. Let it go. When you're making about you, you bring worry. You become ill. It turns into a sickness, y'all. People, blood pressure be going up. Anger will kill you. When you get so angry, you blow on the top. The blood rushes to your head. Your head starts pounding or you may get dizzy, wobbly. You be high on anger, not high on cocaine, crack, whatever you call it. You high on anger and you so angry, look, your face done turned. You don't even look the same no more. You don't act the same no more. So that's an underlying condition. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And it's not that you don't know it. You know it, but you don't want to change because you want people to bow down to your anger. Like a child. When a child come into this world, a baby, all that baby do is cry. That's the way of that baby letting you know I'm in the need of something because they're crying out. So they're depending on that mother, that father, mainly on that mother. That mother has carried that baby for a whole 10 months. So that baby and that mother have made a bond. They have made a connection. 
And that connection that they made, that mother knows the needs of that baby. When that baby need to be changed, the mother know the cry. When that baby need to be fed, the mother know the cry. When that baby is sick, the mother know that baby is sick. When that baby is sitting there and is quiet, that mother say something wrong with that baby because that baby ain't crying like it used to. Because that mother knows that child. Just like the father knows us. That the father know what we're in the need of even before we ask. So as that mother get to know that baby, that mother knows the different cries. The father gets irritated. Some fathers get irritated. Say, will you shut that baby up? They've been crying too long. What is wrong with that baby? So the love that the mother has for that baby is saying, it is something going on. But do you have to act like that? This is your child too. But they keep going off and off and off. We shouldn't even have a child. It ain't got nothing to do with the child. It's got something to do with that underlining condition that this man had that you didn't see before y'all birthed the child. Same thing with the mother. Things begin to pop up out of frustration. And as that mother get to know that child, and as that child grow up, the mother, the father, the children, they end up having a bond, one with each other. And that mother knows that child inside and out, knowing that child is feeling hurt because she watched that child. She watched that child grow. She don't want nobody to talk to that child in any kind of manner. So this is what I'm saying. When we have underlining conditions in our lives, the father know those conditions. He know what they are. This is why the word of God tells us in Psalms 139, 23 and 24, God examine me, investigate, search me, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. So David is saying, God examine me. Have we taken the time out and say, God examine me? Come on, we go to the doctor and we let them touch all over us, women and men. From the top to the bottom. Amen. They do. We let them do that. We let them examine us because we don't want to be in that pain no more. We want to find out what's going on with us so we can live a normal life. Is that not true? So David is saying, God, examine, investigate, search me and know my heart. David says, search my heart because everything that I'm going through is in my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Do not, um, come on, if you don't want to be tested, don't ask God to test you. Because immediately when you use this scripture, stuff is going to pop up like popcorn. He says, see if there's any bad thing, hurtful way in me. Lead me on the road to everlasting life. So David was saying, I'm not ashamed of my game. I know it's something in me. And God, I don't want this evil way in me. He said, examine my thoughts. Search me thoroughly, Lord, and see what's underneath the surface. Search me, God, because I shouldn't be angry like this. I should not be angry. I should not allow this anger to overtake my life, to run my life. Have you ever been in the midst of a person? They're so nice, and all of a sudden, they blow up. Out of nowhere, they just blow What in the world? You was just laughing, and all of a sudden, they blow What in the world is wrong with that person? And people say they're crazy. I told you they're crazy. It runs in the family. They just is crazy. You don't marry a crazy person. All of us, before we accepted Jesus, we were born in sin. 
And see, this is why when we get born again, the spirit is the real you. That's the part of you that's not contaminated. That's the part of you that's sealed unto the day of redemption. But your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotion, all those thoughts that you were having, the crazy stuff, guess what? You're bringing that with you. The only way you can get rid of those things is through the word of God, through renewing your mind to let you know this is not who you are now that you're in Christ. Some people are getting saved, but they get saved to miss hell. They get saved just to get a title so people can look up to them and they don't want people to tell them what's wrong with them. Because they think they know everything just because you smiling, just because you shaking people's hands, just because you out helping different people. That does not mean that you don't have an underlining condition. That's why we got to work on these underlining conditions. So when we go out and we do different things, whatever run up on us, we're able to handle it and we don't get angry. We get humble, y'all. I hope this is helping. Because guess what? God know what to bring and when to bring it. And the problem is when things are brought in the body of Christ, people think I'm mad. If you know me, you will know this is what I teach. This is what I have always taught. But God know when to bring it. I don't sit there and try to look up history on Teresa and say, let me find scripture on that gal. Let me find some scripture with her name written all over and throw it across the pulpit and that way she'll see herself. That is not who I am. And if you have not, if you don't, if you think that's who I am, you don't know who I am. Because that's not what I do. If you know what that sign says behind me, that's my mission. That's what I do. That's what I'm anointed to do. And rooting up strongholds, y'all, it's a big assignment. It's in every area. Not just one. God going to hit you in every area. Whatever's in the room, God will hit it without you telling me. Why? Because I have the gifts of the spirit, the nine gifts, and he's going to operate them as he will. And I'm going to shoot them out as he give them to me. Even though people don't like it, I'm not bowing down to man. I'm out to please God. He is my protector. And if you were in the spirit on the Lord's day, you wouldn't hold a grudge. You would be up saying, thank you, Lord. Now I know what's wrong with me. People don't want to accept responsibility. They want to play the bling game. It was because I married that man that I became angry. I wasn't angry before I married him. No, he just bought out some stuff that was already there. And I want to blame it on him. Mm-hmm. But that ain't the case. That ain't the case. Because see, whatever you bring into a marriage, that's what's going to end up blowing up in that marriage. This is why you got to deal with your underlying conditions. I remember years ago, do y'all remember that you, do they still do it? You got to take a blood test before you can marry somebody. They don't do it no more, do they? But years ago, you couldn't get married before you drew some blood. They need to bring that back, just like they're bringing these mandates with COVID. They need to say, if you want to get married, go draw some blood. Let's see what's in it. <laughs> because when once you get married, you love each other. You claim you love each other, but that man and that woman, they bring out some underlying conditions in your life, and ain't nobody can stir me up like he can. 
Yep, that one. And nobody can stir him up like I can. Ain't that right, honey? He know that's true. Nobody can stir him up. I get him stirred up even if I'm picking on him. I get him stirred up. Not for meanness, y'all. That's just what we do. Now, not, don't even go take that out of here. Not for meanness. But that's what we do. In marriage, you're going to really find out your mate. You're going to find out what they're hiding, too. Because the Holy Ghost will all of a sudden ask you to ask the question. And all of a sudden they'll say, why you want to know? Woo, underlining condition. Why you ask me that? Underlining condition, something getting ready to come up and out. Did you ask anybody else what you asking me? Or how about this? Amanda, did you um, do so-and-so? Why you think I done it? I just asked, but you said, Amanda, you didn't ask me the right way. You already blamed me for doing it. Why did I answer my husband that way? Because evidently I've been blamed so much that I went off on this dear man. See, I can use me all day long. Just like the toothpick. Couldn't stand him to pick them teeth. Mm-mm. I said, man. I don't know who taught you how to pick teeth, but the way you pick them is getting on my nerves. He would just look at me and shake his head. I said, just put it down. Put it. Don't say y'all ain't done it. So one day, I had to do it. Lord knows I had to do it. I went to Jesus. I said, Lord, examine me. Search me, Lord, because it can't be about that toothpick. Lord knows it can't be about his toothpick, so Lord, you got to help me. And he did. Did he do it, honey? Now I give him a toothpick. <laughs> Won't he do it? Lord knows he do it. Sometimes come back up when, you, when you're silent. In a room, you hear him. Oh, oh, it's trying to come back up and hit me. Oh, Lord Jesus. Okay, got a little bit more work, but I ain't like I was. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Everybody laugh. Y'all know. Because y'all go through some stuff in y'all house too and act like, oh, baby, I wish you was. Can't even think without you all the time. Ain't about you. Underlining conditions. Let's talk about the ones who stay in by themselves. Y'all got some too. Because you're fighting with yourself. Fighting with how you breathe. Fighting with how you're walking crooked. You got a lot of fights going on. Fighting when to get up. Fighting when to lay down. Fighting when to eat. Fighting with nobody inviting me nowhere. You got some underlying conditions. Even single folk got them. And body of Christ, it's time for us to deal with them the right way. And God showed Cain how to deal with that condition. And Cain didn't want to listen to God who was all-knowing, and he killed his brother. Do you know your underlying condition will kill somebody? You can kill somebody with your mouth. You can make them feel like they're the cause of what's going on with you. And they're doing everything they can to make you feel better, and they're walking on eggshells. In the middle, do I speak? Do I? Hey, do I say something or do I not say something? Do I tell them that 
their skirt is twisted or do I just let them walk around like that? Do, do I say anything? What do I need to do? That's just how far it got. Some people that start out with Christ, you do have to watch how you approach them. But as they grow in Christ and as they get the teaching, their walk and talk is supposed to be different. Nobody shouldn't be afraid to go to them after a while. Because they're getting the same thing you're getting. It's just applying what you're getting. The Bible said don't only be a hearer, but be a doer. So if I'm bringing this stuff across the pulpit, as a baby start out, guess what? That baby's getting the milk, right? But as that baby keep coming to church, keep fellowshipping, keep getting Bible study, the baby began to grow, and now the baby can have meat. And now the baby can begin to discern what's behind what somebody is saying. So if you go into the word of God, them underlying conditions are going to be taken care of. Just like the woman with the issue of blood, she had to go to Jesus. Nobody dragged her. Once she heard about what Jesus was doing, she went on her own. She kept saying within herself, if I could just touch the hem of his garments, if I could just get into the word of God, I can be able to deal with this underlining condition and I can be made whole, not only spiritually, but mentally, financially, and my mind and everything will change so my body will carry it out. That's the difference, y'all. So if you're not getting into the word of God, things are not going to change with you mentally. After a while, you tell people you're sorry. And you want to genuinely be sorry. But when somebody else come up to you the wrong way, you're in the same mode you were in because you're not in the truth. You're not in the word of God. You haven't been in the word of God long enough. People can walk around you, you laughing with them, you cutting up with them. But soon as they accept somebody else over you, now you're mad with them. And you don't want to talk to them. Your voice change. You sit off by yourself. Come on, somebody. Because you want to be noticed. You want people to know, what's wrong with you? Did I do something? Did I say something? You're just not acting the same. Apostle, what's wrong with you? Did I do something? Did I say something? Apostle, you're not acting the same. So what's going on? Yes, I'm messing with my mic. It it shifted. I want to calm him down over there. I'll say, Apostle, what's going on with you? You're not acting the same because I know her routine. How many know people routine? How many know how people are? And immediately when they are off, guess what? You become off because you start wondering why, right? You start wondering, did I say something? Did I do something? What, what, what did I do? Because they're not even acting right around me. Underlining conditions. Sometimes... People may not have an underlining condition. Sometimes people are just in deep thought. Or sometimes they may be meditating on something and they're not paying you no mind. That's why you need discerning of spirits. To know what's going on with that person instead of assuming and putting that person out there. Did y'all know Apostle acting crazy up in here? Yeah, she acting crazy. She acting all salty. 
She acting all not like an apostle. Did you know that? So I put all that out there on apostle and everybody got eyes on apostle. And apostle just sitting there and they say, I see it. I see it. So she thinks she come from Milwaukee and Michigan and down to Cary. And now she in Jacksonville. She thinks she better than us. God can do that for me too. She thinks she's an Abraham. That's what she thinks. She's living off of Abraham. Y'all don't know what I've done, too. I've done some stuff, too. I done moved here and moved there. Just because I moved from one house and the other house was down the road, I still moved. What's the difference? I'm still like the Jeffersons moving on up. Does she think she the only one moving on up? Mm-mm. So I done ran my mouth so much about her. Some of the people in the body of Christ would underline the conditions too. Done come on in with me. And now they're giving advice to everybody else through the word, trying to make her look crazy. Hmm. Underlining conditions in the body of Christ. Y'all, on a daily basis, we need to ask the Lord, do a search. Search me like I stole something. Lord, search me because I don't know what I have grabbed hold. I don't know, God, what's lying there. God, I want to deal with it before it deal with somebody else. See, when we deal with rejection, y'all, rejection is something. Rejection steals your identity. Rejection make you feel unworthy. Rejection make you feel unneeded. Rejection want to be attached to. Hear me, see me, be attached to me. That's what rejection want. See, Cain wanted Abel to look like him. But Abel could not look like him because Abel was in right standing with God because of him being obedient to God. Sin made him look like death. God don't look on anything that's opposite to what he want, y'all. God don't look on that. God didn't bless that. And God have blessed us. But guess what? Those benefits, the blessings that comes through being blessed is not going to operate in your life if you operating in sin because it's blocking the blessing. People think that they're doing something good, but everything good ain't God. Not lest it line up with his word. I don't care if you visit the prison. I don't care if you visit the White House. I don't care if you visit the hospitals. If you got some underlying condition and some unforgiveness in your heart and you're not willing to forgive, you don't get brownie points because of doing that. You're just wasting your time when you ain't doing what God tell you to do. I don't care if you're paying your tithes. I don't care if you come to church every Sunday. If your heart ain't right... God looks at the heart, y'all. And we got to get over these issues that we're holding in our heart because we cannot move forward, at least some of us, and do what God has called us to do. This is why God in the Bible tells us what to do when things are off. And we follow his lead, not our lead. Let's move on. So we see what rejection would do. Rejection want the limelight. And what rejection do? It puts somebody else down so we can be looked up to. Go with me to 1 Samuel 15, verse 10 through verse 23. Now, this is what was happening. Y'all know King Saul. 
God told him to go over there and literally destroy all the Amalekites. He said, get rid of everything, the children, the lives, everything, literally get rid of all of it, right? That's what he told him. First Samuel 15, 10, listen at this. Then the Lord spoke his word to Samuel. He said, I'm sorry, I regret I made Saul king because he has stopped, turned away from following me, and has not obeyed, carried out my commands. Samuel was upset, deeply moved, and he cried out to the Lord all night long. Early the next morning, Samuel got up and went to meet to find Saul. But the people told Samuel, Saul has gone to Carmel, where he has put up a monument in his own honor to himself. <laughs> now he has gone down to Gigal. Gigal. When Samuel came to Saul, Saul said, may the Lord bless you. I have obeyed, I have carried out, upheld the Lord's commands. Look at this. This is what I've been talking about. He's telling Samuel, may the Lord bless you. I have carried out everything that the Lord told me to do. It's some people in the body of Christ that's carrying out things their way and thinking this is what the Lord want them to do. This is what Samuel said. But Samuel said, then why do I hear cattle mooing? Oxen lowing and sheep bleeding. Saul answered, the soldiers, people took them from the Amalekites. Listen at this. They saved the best sheep and cattle to offer as sacrifices to the Lord your God. But we destroyed devoted destruction, all the other animals. Samuel said to Saul, stop, enough. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Saul answered, tell me speak he wanted to know Samuel said once you didn't think much of yourself now y'all listen at this you thought little small in your own eyes you look little and small in your own eyes but now you have become the leader the head of the tribes of Israel the Lord appointed anointed you to be king over Israel and he sent you on a mission he said go and destroy he telling him again the Amalekites make war on them until all of them are dead, wiped out, exterminated, consumed. Why did you obey the why didn't you obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you take the best things? Why did you do what the Lord said was wrong? Was evil in the Lord's sight in his eyes? Saul said. But I did obey. We have that in the body of Christ. Them I did. You did not obey if you didn't do exactly what the Lord told you to do. And when a leader is telling you what to do, they're telling you according to what God is saying. So you're supposed to carry out what God is telling them to do. It don't supposed to be, I had a dream. You're supposed to do what that leader tells you to do because they're answering from God. But I did obey the voice of the Lord. I did what the Lord told. Went on the mission the Lord gave me to do. I destroyed all the Amalekites and brought back Agag, the king. Is that his name? The soldiers, people took, look, blame. The best sheep and cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God at Gigal. L listen at this. People that don't want to see themselves... Put blame on everybody else. They always say, I do the best I can. 
I do everything that people tell me to do. But they still ain't looking at the underlining condition that's right before them. He still didn't see himself. Even after Samuel told him that he didn't do what the Lord, I did what, I always do what the Lord tell me to do. I'm just a humble person. I do what God tell me to do. Samuel told him he didn't do it. And he's a prophet. He's a mouthpiece for God. And listen what Samuel answered. What pleases the Lord more? He said, what pleases the Lord more? Burnt offers and sacrifices or obedience to his voice? It is better to obey. Obedience is better than sacrifice. It is better to listen to God than to offer submission. Heeding is better than the fat of sheep and rams. Disobedience is called rebellion. It is as bad as a sin of sorcery, rich, witchcraft, divination, pride, stubbornness, arrogance, presumptions, insubordination. It is as bad as the sin of worshiping idols. It's adult, idolatry. You have rejected the Lord's command, the word. Now he rejects you as king. Saul did not see himself as worthy to be a king. He saw himself as being little. That's rejection. But then when God made him king, it was some underlining conditions that was laying right there. Those underlining conditions came out when he disobeyed God. He had pride. Rejection was there. Pride was there. Stubbornness was there. Rebellion was there. The sin of witchcraft was there. Now idolatry was there. Because you worshiping other things more than you worshiping God. This is what happens when we don't obey God. We're worshiping pride. We're worshiping rebellion. We're worshiping all of these things because we're not doing what God told us to do. Boom, there it is. And we don't see it. When someone is in authority, even on jobs, y'all, God tell us to submit to those that are in authority. That's what he tell us. He tell us to submit to them, but we think just because we're saved, we don't submit to an unsaved person that's over us. That's a lie. Everything you do, you do it unto the Lord. If they tell you to clock in at five, you clock in at five, even though you don't want to clock in at five, because that's what your job requires. Well, why I got to clock in at five. Apostle don't clock in at five. That's between apostle and that boss. That's none of your business. Oh, that boss just don't like me. That's why. They got me coming in early. She ain't coming in early. I don't understand why she ain't coming in early. Oh, she just sucking up to him. That's what that is. She's sucking up to him, buying him lunch, doing all this crazy stuff. I ain't going to suck up to nobody. I bet you better clock in at five. They clock in, but they have ill will. They have underlining conditions that haven't been dealt with, that comes from rejection. They felt like they've been rejected. Apostle's been accepted. So now they're going to be ill with the apostle because she look like she getting favor, but they don't know she been on the job for 30 years, had to start out coming in at five. Now they done moved her up, and now you mad. Underlining conditions. People don't want to go through what somebody else went through. They just want to be where somebody's at. 
You don't know the road that people travel to get where they are. You don't know the ups and downs that people have had to get where they are. But you don't put them in a place because you feel like you're rejected now. So you want them to be rejected and you want people to look at you and you want them to put them beneath you. So you can look like you're right and they're wrong. You better slow your roll because you're messing with God. So all of this was right there with Saul. Pride. Because he was disobedient to God, everything began to show up. Stubbornness. A person that's stubborn will look you in your face and tell you, I'll do it. But in their heart, I ain't doing nothing. I told you what you wanted to hear, but I ain't doing nothing. I'm going to do it my way, and you're going to think I've done it like you wanted to do. I ain't doing it like you want. Stubborn. There it is. Shall we see law on this? Hmm. I'm going to go on. Because it's underlying conditions in the body of Christ. People being talked about. People being put down. In the body of Christ. Because they got some underlying conditions. And they want people to look some kind of way in the eyes of others. So they won't look bad. Underlying conditions. It's time for us to see us. It's time for us. Search me Lord. Examine me Lord. See what's in me. I ain't got time to worry about nobody else. Lord, I want a well done. I want a well done. I don't want my life to be based on nobody else's but mine. I don't want no buts in my life. But if my husband had to treat it this way, I would have treated him nicer. God don't want to hear that foolishness. Because when you're in the word of God, guess what? When you go up to meet him and get judged... My husband ain't going to be standing there beside me and say, I got you, baby. I ain't going to be standing beside him nor my kids. You're going to be standing alone to answer to every idle word that you have spoken. To or against, you're going to answer. Y'all, when I read that scripture, I went back through my life. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Can we, can we start again? Lord knows, can we start again? Because it's some idle stuff. That's a, y'all saw paper roll out. I was just like, oh, Jesus, that's me. We better think before we open our mouth. Because we got some idle words going on in the body of Christ. We got some people in their homes talking about people. Beating them up and people is wondering why their back's hurting because they're on your back at home. You wonder why you can't roll over at night because they're on top of you beating you up. That's why you have to see it in the spirit. You wonder why one of them legs get threw, threw off the bed ain't because of your husband. He's asleep. It's because somebody beating your behind up. They're tired of you. Y'all, this is for real. Because God will show you what's happening in the spirit. Give you an example through, through the, what I do. Rooting up and tearing down strongholds. I'm laying in my bed one night. All of a sudden I open my eyes. Through my mirror in my room I'm seeing this big headed snake. 
come through the mirror at me. I said, Jesus, snake went back. I said, Lord, what's going on? What's going on? What in the world is happening? Then one night I went to sleep and I was sleeping and I could not move. And y'all, it wasn't a witch riding me. I couldn't move because I was in warfare. And the warfare that I was in, it was like I couldn't breathe. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, get up, begin speaking in tongues. I could barely get out the bed and breathe. And I start speaking in tongues and I start praising God. Then something else began to happen. One night, I looked at the closet and I saw a black mist go into my um, suit. I just seen it in the, the suit just waving back and forth, back and forth. And I asked my husband, you see that? He said, no. Then one night I saw a snake crawling up under the cover and I'm jumping over my husband. Jesus. I said, Lord, what is this? He said, witchcraft. He said, they're out to take you out. And the Lord had to tell me what to do to get through it. Then one night I looked, I saw a snake all the way around my room and dropped right there at my dressing, staring at me. I said, oh, you don't faze me. Get out of here. Telling you something. God would allow you to see what people are doing. Because your words will send witchcraft. Witchcraft come from your words. When you're talking about people at home because you don't understand the way of the Lord and the will of the Lord through them, you throwing stones at them. But guess what? That's why God said, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, thou shall condemn. See, when you talk about me, you're talking about God. When you talk about anybody else, you're talking about God. Because when they're on a mission for God, you may not understand my teaching. Because God gives it to me to give to you. And it's for you to go back to the teaching and say, Lord, speak to me. Don't go out and say, now, I wouldn't have said that. She didn't say it the right way. That's not the way I would say it. Matter of fact, you ain't the one teaching it. Oh, oh, oh. Wait a minute. Holy Spirit so good. I got to give y'all one. Why the Holy Spirit is giving it to me. Y'all listen at this right here. I got to find it first. But listen at this. Okay. It was Moses. Y'all remember Moses said in, in Exodus chapter 4. And the Lord said unto Moses. Oh my God. I'm not eloquent. Moses said unto the Lord. I'm not eloquent. Neither here hitherto nor since thou hast spoken unto me thy servant but I'm slow of speech and of tongue this is what the Lord was saying just now he said the Lord said unto him who have made man's mouth or who make the dumb or the deaf or the seeing or the blind have not I the Lord why am I saying this because if the Lord made my mouth if the Lord gave me the voice he want to give me the Lord speak through me using my voice So whichever way the Lord's bringing it to me, that's the way I'm going to bring it to you. You don't choose my words. You don't tell people this is how she should have said it because you're coming against God and not coming against me. Maybe God said it in the room for the person that's in the room to receive the voice that's coming. Hallelujah, somebody. So I cleared that up. Because when you're talking in your house about what I'm teaching, It's coming right back to my house to let me know you're not in agreement with what I'm teaching and you're not submitting up under what God has called you to submit up under. 
God said it. I believe it. And it's already done. See, because you can have people in the house. One person that said, that ain't what I heard. Next person said, I heard it. I heard it. If they talk about it enough, they got you thinking you heard something you didn't hear. Come on, it happens. How do I know this? Out of my kitchen window, if I'm standing there and I look down that road, I say, oh, Lord, who is that person? I ain't seen that car before. I done put something in my mind, making me feel like somebody's going down there to shoot up the neighborhood. Crazy. So I talked to my husband. Who that down there? (laughs) Y'all know what we do. But then the Holy Spirit has to remind me, get that out of your head. You right, you right. As Willie say, true that, true that. So I have to bring my mind back. Because if I don't bring my mind back, I'm going to have Jeremy and all of them. Hey, Quisha, Quisha, mate. Look out that window, girl. Who is that in front of that house? What is they doing? Quisha, find out for me. But that's what we do. We watch as well as pray. But we don't give an opinion until God say. Right? That's when we warn people. After we hear from God. We don't sit up there and feed on it. And then send it out there and somebody else feed on it. And before you know it, somebody's dead and they're walking around living. Okay. Let's move on. Go with me. We're dealing with Saul, right? Y'all see all the underlying conditions that Saul had, right? The next one is 1 Samuel 18, verse 5 through 9. I'm going to try not to read all of it, but I'm going to read some of it. This is what's happening in 1 Samuel 18, verse 5 through 9. Saul sent David to fight in different battles, and David was very successful. Then Saul put David over in command of the soldiers, which pleased Saul's officers, servants, and all the other people. After David had killed the Philistines, he and the men returned home. Women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul. They sang songs of joy, danced and played tambourines and stringed instruments. As they played, they sang. Saul has killed thousands of his enemies, slain his thousands, but... David has killed tens of thousands. The women's song upset, displeased Saul, and he became very angry. He thought, the women say David has killed tens of thousands, but they say I have killed only thousands. The only thing left for him to have is the kingdom. So Saul watched David closely from then on because he was jealous. Out of rejection comes jealousy. Saul was rejected as being king. He assigned David to go into war, to go into battle. When he came back, he was listening to how they was praising David. They ain't only praised David, they praised him as well. But that wasn't good enough. I'm supposed to be before him. You don't put me under him. Listen here, Saul. For one, you ran from the giant. David didn't run from the giant. You were the king. You ran from that giant. So now that they're singing praises unto David because of what David did, they sang unto you. They gave you your praise, but that wasn't enough. Come on, this is in the body of Christ. If you say, 
Oh, thank you so much, Sister Deborah, for what you're doing. I really do appreciate it. What you did the other day, you didn't have to do it. You do so much in the spirit of excellency. It is such a pleasure and a joy to have you in this ministry. May God continue to bless you and keep you up under his loving care. I appreciate you and love you. To God be the glory. All of a sudden, Brother Terry say, is she the only one? It ain't like I don't walk around this property. It ain't like I don't have my eyes open at least sometime to see, to make sure everybody is okay in this house. Why are you putting her all up there? You ain't saying nothing about, oh, by the way, we thank God for Terry. He goes around the property. To God be the glory. Amen. Oh, it's like that now. I believe her sentences was longer than mine. I believe you put more emphasis on her than you put on me. So now, Terry is eyeing Sister Deborah. He looking at her right now. Watch yourself, Deborah. He got his eyes on you. He's eyeing her, but the problem ain't with Deborah, it's with me. I'm the one who get giving her the accolades. I'm the one that's making her think she's over the top. So now Terry is going through the ministry and he's going to the administrative assistant and saying, have she ever said something about you? I hear her say nothing about you. Don't you help out her husband and make sure every department is running right and doing what it needs to do? You got a tough job, girl. You know what? I give you accolades. You do a good job at that. He's setting her up. You know, whenever you need me, to make sure your office is secure, I'll help you. Just call on me. Can't get me? Call my wife. She'll get me. You know, we got to look out for one another. Miss Deborah already got the pastor looking out for us. She don't need no looking out. <laughs> Sneakily. Sister Nee sat there and smiled. Thank you, Brother Terry. I do all I can do unto the Lord. To God be the glory, Brother Terry. She ain't even thought what was behind that with Brother Terry. To God be the glory, Brother Terry. I tell you, I just do it, and then she go home. Baby, I know I'm doing what I need to be doing. Brother Terry told me, he told me, baby, he's going to look out for me. Don't get jealous. He's just going to look out to make sure everything's right, baby. This is just a little skit. Baby, I clear I got it going on. I'm going to do some more now. I'm going to do some more. I feel good. Mm-hmm. Then when this teaching right here come along, Everybody's eyes book. Oh, she throw him across the pulpit. Ain't been in your office. Ain't been in his house. Ain't even been with Miss Deborah. God bought it. Now Terry is saying, she talking about me. This is what happened when you ain't in the spirit on the Lord's day. Because I don't stay with you. I got a house. I got a home. And I'm happy with the location I'm in. So see, when you don't know when God is talking, that's the problem. So Saul, Saul became jealous. Let me tell you what jealous is. It's a feeling or statement of resentment, bitterness, hostility towards someone because they have something you don't. This is in the body of Christ. When you feel like somebody has something you don't. That's when you begin to put the person down that you feel like they have something you don't have. And you don't want to say, praise God. I thank God for what they have. Oh, they didn't need that. 
Can he pay tithes? And look at him. Mm-hmm. Can he help out at the church? Look at him. See, you can see what they're doing right there. That's jealousy. So Saul was out to get David in a sneaky way. But God don't let nobody fool you. God always have you ready for whatever is coming. So we see the first attack that Saul had on David. See, David overturned that attack because in 1 Samuel 24, you can go back and read that. David ended up cutting off part of Saul's robe, I believe. He had a chance to kill him. Verse 3, Saul came in to the sheep pen beside the road, a cave, which was in the cave. So verse four, the men said to David, today is the day the Lord spoke of when he said, I will give your enemy over to you into your hands. That's first Samuel 24th chapter. Do anything you want with him. Deal with him as you wish. It's good in your eyes. Then David crept in quietly. He cut off the corner, the border edge, the hem of Saul robe. Later, David felt guilty. Don't you tell me, body of Christ. That when you do something to somebody out of the will of God, you don't feel guilt. Yes, you do feel it. See, in Christ, there is no condemnation. So if you're feeling guilty or wrong about something, it's either two reasons. The devil wants you to feel that way because you're doing something right. Or you know you're doing something wrong against what God told you to do. David's conscience bothered him. His mind of David struck him because he had cut off the corner of Saul's robe. He said to these men, may the Lord keep, forbid, preserve me from doing such a thing to my master. Saul is the Lord appointed king. It shall not, I shall not do anything. Raise my hand against him because he's the Lord appointed king, his anointed. David used these words to stop, restrain his men. He did not let them attack Saul. Then Saul left the cage and went his way. So what did David do? By David doing what he did, he was stopping others from doing to Saul what they thought needed to be done. He humbled himself and said, I shouldn't have done what I've done. That is God's anointed. Let God deal with it. You don't have to deal with people. The Bible said, vengeance is mine, I shall repay. So when somebody is doing you wrong and you know you haven't done anything, stand still. See the salvation of the Lord. Give God glory. Say, God, I'm suffering for your name's sake. You don't have to try to explain yourself. You don't have to try to make people come unto you and make them look bad. You just say, God, I give you glory. I'm not touching that uh, those people because those are your anointed. I'm going to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And I'm going to give you some glory. So you don't have to explain nothing. When you know you ain't done nothing, stand still. It's too many people out here trying to defend themselves. You don't have to. Let the Lord do what he need to do. So when David came out of the cave, he talked to Saul, y'all. Saul was bowing down when you read the rest of that chapter. And he was giving David praise, y'all. For not taking his life. That was in 1 Samuel 24. Verse 16, I have to read this. When David finished saying these words, Saul asked, Is that your voice, David, my son? 
And he cried loudly. He said, you are a better man, more righteous than I am. You have been good, well-behaved, repaid good to me, but I have done wrong, behaved badly, repaid evil to you. You told me what good things you did. The Lord handed me over to you, but you did not kill me. People don't normally let an enemy get away like this, do they? Now listen at this. May the Lord reward you because you were good to me today. I know you will surely be king and you will rule. Now he was uh, prophesying. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will not kill me. Why am I going here? Do y'all see how Saul said you were good to me? You don't supposed to let your enemy go. This ain't normal. So he knew it was the Lord's doing. Y'all got this? Hold on to it. When you go to 1 Samuel 26, Saul's after him again. After he said what he said. This is happening in the body of Christ. People saying, I'm so sorry. You've been too good to me. I shouldn't have treated you the way I treated you. Can you please accept my apology? It won't happen again. Two chapters later. He did the same thing. David went in, had another opportunity to kill him. I think he took his spear. He took his um, thing that had water in it. It was the spear and water jug that were near his head. David could have cut off his head. David didn't do it. He came back out. And then Saul said it again. He repeated the same thing to David about what David did. But David was letting people know. Whatever happens to Saul, God will handle it. He said, it's not my job to do him like he's doing me. It is not your job in the body of Christ to treat people the way they are treating you. It is your job to humble yourself up under the mighty hand of God and let him exalt you in due season. It is your job to bless those who curse you, to love those who hate you, and pray for those who despitefully use you. Are you mad because they're putting your name out there? Yes, you are. But don't let it turn to bitterness. Don't get angry about it. Begin to rejoice. Again, I say rejoice and give God glory. Begin to pray for them and ask God to open their eyes. Because wherever people go, it's going to follow them. Until they deal with these underlining conditions. Y'all, I had to deal with some. That's why I'm where I am today, rooting up and tearing down. Do you think God would have gave me something without me having to deal with bitterness, resentment, resentment, control, anger? All of this was in my life. But the Lord had to show me how to treat people outside of my hurt, my rejection, my jealousy. Oh, y'all ain't told you over half of it. All of this came with me. Even though I was born again, these things were underlining conditions that was popping up. Guess when they really popped up? When I lost my position. I became jealous. I became envious. I became controlling. I became irritable. I became all of these things because I did not understand why people treat me this way. I done no wrong. But God said, I'm going to take you through the fire. And I'm going to bring you out as pure gold. So God had to mold me. He had to shape me into the image he would have me to be to put me where I am today. I didn't just get here because I was hunting a title. I was not hunting no title from nobody. 
was never hunting a title for anybody. When I opened up my house, Jennifer's my witness. I never went on no title or nothing. Only thing I wanted to do was help somebody because of where I've been in my life. I said, God, if you send them my way, I'll help them because I don't want nobody to go through what I went through. And oh boy, when he started sending them my way, oh Jesus, Jennifer wanted him to go the other way. <laughs> Jennifer didn't like change. Jennifer wanted to stay the same. Jennifer said, we can just stay right here at Little House on the Perry. We don't have to go nowhere. I said, us, Jennifer. We'll leave you right here, Jennifer. We was in the house. I said, I'm going to leave y'all right here in this house. But they followed me everywhere I went. I couldn't get rid of them. I know I couldn't get rid of my husband. I couldn't get rid of Jennifer. Everywhere I went, I'm hearing that laugh. <laughs> it was a good thing, though. So we give God glory, y'all, that God showed me these underlining conditions and showed me how to deal with the conditions. You got to deal with it before it deals with you. Because when it starts dealing with you, you're going to lose a lot around you. People don't want to be bothered with you no more. People don't want to hear what you got to say. You know why? Because if you keep on saying what you're going to do and you never do it, when you really do it, people don't even pay you no attention no more. They just leave you to yourself because you keep saying it, but you keep going back to that same pattern. When you recognize you have an underlying condition, y'all, the word of God will help you. I assure you, the word of God will help you to get rid of it if you want to get rid of it. And I'm the first partaker. This is why I can talk to you. Do I have days that anger want to come? I'm human, yes. Do I have days that I'm frustrated? Yes. Do I have days that the enemy want bitterness to say? Yes. Do I have these days? Yes, I do. But through all of these days, I come back to myself with the help of the Holy Spirit, with who I am now that I'm in Christ. And I say, this is not God's way. This is not his character, and this is not how I'm going to be. I'm going to love people in spite of them hating me. I'm going to do what God tells me to do regardless of how I feel, regardless of how the, the person feel. God, this is something that I have to go through, but I ain't going through it by myself. I don't have to prove myself to nobody. I have already been accepted. I've been adopted in the blood. So when you know these things, even in marriage, you can still go on because you know who you are in God and the person that's against you is going to begin to want what you have. Why? Because you ain't paying that nonsense, no mind. You're not. You're just going on and living a normal life in him. We're going to have worry, y'all. We're going to have some things that try to set us back. But remember this. When God created the birds, when the birds come out the sky, to get food. They don't worry about where they're getting it from. Because they know that the earth is producing. Everything that they need. Because God set it up that way. So that's how we need to be. Our trust and dependency. Need to be on him. And for as a man thinketh in his heart. So is he. So does he become. What are you thinking about? Is that thinking lining up with the word of God? Is that thinking bringing depression? Is that thinking bringing sickness? If so. Change the way you think. Renew your mind according to the word on a daily basis. Get into the word. Let the word get into you and you will see a change in your life. Amen. Amen. Let's give God a hand clap of praise. At this time.